BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's going on and welcome into this week's Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Hope everyone is staying safe, wearing your mask, practicing social distancing as we come to you again from all of our homes. But we do have some basketball in a schedule to talk about. As most of you already know, on Friday, the NBA released its return to play schedule for the 22 teams that will be participating in Orlando. So today we thought we'd bring on our broadcasters to talk about the Pelicans schedule release including Antonio Daniels from Fox Sports New Orleans, television analyst Joel Myers, the television voice of your New Orleans Pelicans, Todd Graffinini, radio voice of the Pelicans, and Jim Eikenhofer, writer for Pelicans.com. We'll start, we'll kind of go in a format here like we did uh, when the return to play action happened, and we'll start with Joel Myers. Joel, we'll just talk about the schedule in general. When you saw the Pelicans' eight games, what immediately came to mind? Well, you got to get one of the first two, and – it's impossible to be you don't get one of the first two because you're already three back in the loss column AD. And AD and I talked about this, Daniel, over the last couple of days. Uh, I just hope the first thing that came to my mind when I looked at the schedule was more about the Pels as opposed to the opposition or the schedule. When the Pels, when that game was suspended and postponed in Sacramento, they were playing unbelievable basketball chemistry-wise. Lonzo Ball was playing the best basketball of his young NBA career. And they were developing a camaraderie on the floor. They already had it off the floor, but they were developing that kind of chemistry on the floor. So I I would love to see that kind of continuity once again. And that's what I thought about more than anything else as opposed to the schedule, because then you had all the people saying, well, they gave the Pelicans an easy schedule. Really? (laughs) Pelicans had the Atlanta Hawks twice. They had the Wizards. They had the New York Knicks at home. I could go on, but as finally, when they started to break it down, John, Schumann, Brian, Winors, Actually, it's more difficult than it would have been had the Pels, like the rest of the league, continued to play and have their last 18 games. I'm glad you brought up the first two, and we'll go to Antonio Daniels here. When you look at those first two in Utah and the Los Angeles Clippers, look, when you look at those teams that already have a playoff spot, you're really not battling for home court anymore. You're battling for seeding if that's something that's interesting to you. So how does that change the dynamic of those two games, AD, for those teams that really don't have a ton to play for 
in those eight games? Well, I think first and foremost, when you look at Utah, we have no idea how the Utah Jazz are going to look. You know, if you look at them losing Boyan Bogdanovich, which is significant, and we saw what he did to the New Orleans Pelicans this year, but also we don't know uh, the status of Joe Ingles. You know, um, when the COVID first hit and there was discussions about returning to play, he was one of the guys that said, if we return to play, I'm getting a first flight ticket, first way ticket to a one-way ticket to Australia, and I'm not coming back. You know, understanding that his son is autistic and has a compromised immune system. So I, I completely understand where he's coming from. But from the basketball aspect of things, if you eliminate those two bookends that are their forwards, that is a huge piece of who the Utah Jazz are and what they do. And on the other side, when you look at the L.A. Clippers, we don't know. Like, this is a team all year that has said and made it public that they don't care about seating. You know, they just want to be healthy come playoff time. So we don't know after this four-month hiatus, Doc Rivers, and how he's going to approach this with it being one of their first two games. Is he going to rest Kawhi Leonard? Is he going to rest Paul George? Is he going to bring them back slowly but surely? Or is he just going to throw them um, into the fire? So those first two games, I agree with Joe 100%. I I think they're incredibly significant. But with that three- to four-month hiatus, we have no idea – the chemistry, the camaraderie, or the rhythm that teams are going to return with after being off for that amount of time. Jim, I know you went on a little Twitter rant about the schedule and how a lot of the national media members are talking about, as Joel mentioned, (laughs) how easy the schedule is for the Pelicans and everyone just wants Zion into the playoffs. I agree that everyone does want Zion in the playoffs, and we hope that Zion and the rest of the Pelicans can get there. Um, But Jim, when you have this hard time figuring out the schedule with 22 teams, and if you take the first eight games that they were going to play after this, it was going to be challenging. Um, what was your thoughts on overall how after those two games, the Pelican schedule lines up for games three and three through eight? I thought the NBA did as good a job as they could to try to reflect what the Pelicans had left. I mean, they do have the easiest quote unquote schedule of the 22 teams in Orlando. So, I mean, there was no way to make it accurately reflecting the, the way how poorly or, you know, as Joel mentioned, a bunch of teams that they had left on the schedule aren't even going to be in Orlando. So how do you, how do you duplicate that? It's really impossible. But I thought um, that the NBA did as good a job as they could under the circumstances. There was no way that there was ever going to be something that would make everyone perfectly happy based on, you know, just reality of what you had to work with. So, but I mean, one of the things that Joel talked about and this was along the lines of my Twitter rant was like, you know, if you have a good story and you have a good narrative, let's worry about the facts later. So it just, that's kind of just what, it, what happened the other day was it just was like people had their, they wanted to throw their two cents in. And a lot of people weren't aware of the fact that the Pelicans were supposed to have an easy schedule in Memphis was supposed to have a tough schedule. I thought the NBA did a good job with Memphis as well, because even though they don't have the most difficult schedule in Orlando, it's fifth or sixth. So it, it wasn't like they gave them a big advantage based on what they had left. So complicated situation. I don't want to second guess too much, but um, my, my main point that I was trying to make Friday was, was just let's, 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 find, let's figure out the facts first and then give opinions after that. Todd Graffinini, we mentioned the Memphis Grizzlies, and of course that is the overall goal is to take them down in the eighth spot and get to the playoffs. But you also have to get in the play-in first only playing Memphis once, were you 
kind of surprised that that was the case? Did you think that you were hoping for maybe twice against Memphis to maybe gain some ground on them? Or is the eye on the prize at least just getting the playing game and, and just get your shot at Memphis in, in the chance to get into the playoffs? Not, not trying to do a cop out here, Daniel, but I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I really would have liked to have seen Memphis two times because they were on the schedule two more times. Uh, then again, you know, they've got a pretty decent advantage. And I, I think the goal right now is to just to try to get into that playoff game. And that gets into the deeper aspects of this schedule because obviously you're going to play Sacramento two times. You're going to play San Antonio one time. You're going to play Memphis one time. So those are games that are going to be very, very important. You're not going to play Portland, which already played Portland four times in the regular season, but because that Portland has played two more games, they already have the quote-unquote tiebreak over you. So here's the thing, and Jim and I have talked a lot about this uh, as the season has gone on, and Joel too, on our plane trips. You know, the thing that we were really looking forward to when we were getting down to these meaningful game situations was the ability to scoreboard watch. And when there's going to be games going on all day long, you know, three different venues, the tendency is to see what everybody else is doing. But I don't know if the Pelicans really can afford to do that because A, there's only eight games, and B, the teams that you're going to be going up against to try to get into that ninth spot or maybe even sneak into the eighth spot are going to be playing each other too. So when one of those teams is losing, the other one is winning. So you have to win games to maintain your advantage because if you lose a game, whoever is on the winning side of one of those games that are going on not where you're playing, they're gaining a game on you. So there's a lot of, a lot of different factors going on right now. Uh, I, the bottom line is this. The Pelicans need to take care of their own business and don't worry about what everybody else is doing. And that being said, uh, go ahead, Eddie. I'll I tell you, that that's easier said than the taking care of their own business part is 100% accurate, Graf. That's 100% accurate. But it is literally impossible to be in that position and not scoreboard watch. Oh, I'm not it's saying I'm not scoreboard yeah. watching either, AD. No, no, I'm, I'm talking, just, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about as a team. Right, right. I'm talking about as a team. Like, it's a, you, you understand what's at stake. And what I love about the fact that these eight games is whether or not you make the, the playing game or you make the playoffs or not, you are still playing eight meaningful basketball games. Huge playoff-type basketball games. But in playing those eight games, you best believe as soon as those games are over, one of the first things that you're doing when you get back to that locker room is looking – at your phone to see who won with the teams that you're in competition with to secure that play-in game or that eight playoff spot. That's human nature. And, and let me, AD, let me just tag what you were talking about regarding the positioning of, like the, the Pels have the Clippers game number two. I'd much rather have the Clippers game number seven, where they're already established in the two seed potentially as opposed to having the Clippers in game number two, where they're only right. two in Denver. They want to avoid the three seed. They want to stay in two, so when they see the Lakers, if they get that far, they're going to see the Lakers in the conference finals. As opposed to, if you look at potentially what Memphis has on the back end of their schedule, a couple of those late games, like game six, seven, or eight, 
I think it's Milwaukee they close with. Milwaukee's already going to be the number one seed. They're not going to need it. Are they going to play anybody? And, and it may determine a lot down the stretch. So when you look at the schedule, the Pels with Utah and the Clippers, monsters. You're right. you got to take care of your own business. But then at the end, if you did take care of your own business, you hope that everybody cares as much down the stretch facing the team or the teams you're trying to catch. See, and, and now yeah. everything, it's di- everything's different. Like, it, and, and it sounds, it sounds simplistic, but now everything's different. And, and Joe and I were talking about this yesterday. When you realize it's this time of the regular season, what you're playing for is home court advantage. Now there is no home court advantage. Right. Home court advantage is eliminated now. So, so it's now about what seating. you're playing for is seating. Right. Yeah. And then it comes to a point, if you're Doc Rivers, are you playing for second or just understanding and coming to the realization that if we're going to make it to the Western Conference Finals, we're going to have to go through the Lakers regardless? You know, so, like, like this is a completely different situation. And that's why I'm so excited to see it. Because we are, I don't know, with everything that's going on with COVID, we're blessed to be a part of history. You know, and, and that's why I've always said, you can continue to hear People talking about the asterisks of whoever wins this championship. For me, I feel like whoever wins this NBA championship should get more credit than any NBA champion in history because they've had to endure and go through more than any NBA champion has had to go through. You're quarantined. You're quarantined for two to three months. You know, you're not without, you're without your family. There's no home court advantage. There's no fans. This is a killer and a heck of an adjustment for all 22 teams that are involved in this bubble. AD, while I have you, does that put more pressure on a younger team like the Pelicans, or is it kind of the opposite when you have these eight games that every game is so important? Does that add a little more pressure to a younger team that doesn't have a lot of this experience, or it can only be beneficial no matter what the outcome is? I'm a firm believer that young teams feed off their crowd more than more experienced teams. Like if you look at like a LeBron James or you look at like a, a Kawhi Leonard, They've been in every possible basketball situation. They've been in game seven on the road. You know, they've been in game seven at home, NBA finals, uh, NBA Western Conference, the Eastern Conference finals. They've been through every possible basketball situation. The Pelicans are a little bit different. They're young, they're inexperienced, and they're not as battle-tested as some of these other teams and individuals are. So with that, you would love for the Pelicans faithful to be in that Smoothie King Center, to, to feel that energy of the playoffs to kind of boost this team. With that being gone, it, it's going to be interesting to see how teams respond to this and also how individuals respond to no fans being in the stands, especially during meaningful basketball games. Jim, we talk about, you know, these games for the Pelicans and how important the first two are. Then you look at the Kings, you have twice. When you look at number of games that might you need to win to get into the plane or even the eighth spot, is there a number that comes to mind to you, Jim, or is it something that is just going to depend on everything else that goes on? I mean, I think it's definitely going to depend at least slightly on what else goes on. I'm sure everyone's already examined the difficulty of some of the other team's schedules. I think Memphis has a difficult schedule. Portland has a difficult schedule. But as the guys mentioned just a second ago, some of that is a little bit misleading because you might have a difficult schedule, but you might be playing teams in the last two or three games that aren't going to play their starters or are going to play their starters limited minutes. So it's a little, it's a little bit different, but I mean, 
you know, I, I think from a math standpoint, my guess is that you have to win at least you have to win a minimum of five games to have a chance at the nine seed because there's there's too many other teams in the mix. I don't think you could go four and four and think that no one none of those other teams are going to finish better than four and four. And I think so I, I'd say five is the minimum, but I think six would probably give you a pretty good chance of at least being ninth. And, and as we talked about in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I, I don't I don't think that you should rule out eighth as a possibility, but that also depends on how the first few games go. If you're, you're three and a half games behind Memphis going into this, if you're still three and a half games behind them after a few games are played, then it's unrealistic. But if you can cut some games off of that deficit, including obviously in the third game, you play Memphis head to head. So that's a pretty much a must win as far as if you want to have any shot at f- finishing eighth place when in the standings, when the seeding games are over. So to, to make a long story short, I would say five or six is, is what you're looking at for how many wins you need to get. And Todd, go ahead, AD. Do you have something to say? No, I, I'm, you know, my, my thing is I, I saw Jim's uh, Twitter rant the <laughs> other day, and, I'm, and I am 100% on board with him. I am so sick and tired of people talking about, oh, well, they want the Pelicans to make it to the playoffs. So what? Like, who cares? This is a star-driven league. You know, like, just think of all of the talk about and around the New Orleans Pelicans over the last two years. It's sitting around, oh, this is not the place to be. Anthony Davis can't, he can't flourish here. He can't get endorsements here. And now there's a star here that wants to be here, and the NBA recognizes this star, and you expect people in New Orleans to apologize for that? Man, please. Somebody (laughs) told you wrong. Listen, if... The, the NBA wants to see Zion get in the playoffs. So what? This is a star-driven league. That's how, that's how leagues work. This is more star-driven than the NFL. It's more star-driven than Major League Baseball and also soccer. You know, we have to understand the, the star power that is now in New Orleans with Zion and not just with Zion with Brandon Ingram, like Joe mentioned earlier, with Lonzo Ball playing the best basketball of his young career. This is an exciting team that has become a must-watch, and the NBA recognizes that as well. And, and the one thing that I would add to that, too, is that, to me, there was no way, if, you, if you're going to have a play-in round, there was no way to not have New Orleans. So, like, how, how would you have done a play-in round and, and said, like, okay, just Portland is going to be in the play-in round as the ninth place team and they're going to play Memphis but Portland has by all uh, by all measures has almost exactly has really an identical record to New Orleans and Sacramento so realistically like even if you even if you you put aside everything that you just said which I totally agree with if you have a play-in round New Orleans has to be part of it so all of these different conspiracy theories and stuff like that like that's the way I would put it it's so simply it's it's as simple as if you have a play-in round there was no way the Pelicans weren't going to be involved in this. And I think, I mean, people can, can tell me what they think, but I think everyone thought that the play-in round was not only a good idea and, and something that was going to be entertaining and interesting to people, but it was a necessity in terms of if you're going to have these teams come, all these teams come to Orlando that aren't in the top 16, there, there has to be a play-in round because what would be the – It has to be an incentive. Right. It, it has to be part of the equation. So to me, it – it wasn't, it wasn't just that the NBA wanted it, – it obviously wasn't just that NBA wanted Zion. It was that there was no way to not have the Pelicans involved in this to, from my standpoint. 
And isn't it interesting, guys, that the Pelicans not only started the regular season in Toronto, but are going to start the seeding games? I mean, the first game that anyone's going to watch is the New Orleans Pelicans against the Utah Jazz. And again, we started the season in Toronto. So to, to kind of go on what AD was saying, they want to watch the Pelicans on television. And, and, That's it. Yeah, and we – right. And, 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 and you, any New Orleans Pelicans fan should not apologize for that. By no stretch of the imagination. You never apologize for having a young – exciting team. You never apologize for having possibly and debatable and debatable the top trio under 25 years of age. You don't apologize for that. You go out, you take care of your business. And I said this from day one, people are making assumptions, not really understanding what the rest of the schedule look like for the New Orleans Pelicans. Some of these teams like Joe alluded to earlier, won't be in the 22, you know, Atlanta. You say Atlanta, I hadn't played Atlanta. Washington, I mean, even though Washington's there, you hadn't played Washington. You still had Charlotte at home. You still had the Knicks at home. There were two games remaining that the Pelicans had against teams that were above 500. The Clippers and Utah. That's it. That's it. So this is not a conspiracy theory to get the Pelicans in, because I agree with Jim 100%. When you break it down and you look at it and you do it mathematically, the NBA did this the right way. And I would say this same exact thing if – the New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies has switched spots. If the Pelicans were in eighth and the Grizzlies were in 10th, I feel like all these teams that are invited should have some incentive to return to play. Whether incentive is big or the chances are big or small, they should have some incentive to return to play. And that's what the NBA has done. I'm running out of time here. I got about a few minutes to go here. I wanted to go to Joel. And we, we talked about this for the last few minutes about the star power. And how about this, Joel? I mean, the Pelicans are one of the teams that lead the league and how many nationally televised games they will have in this return to play with eight. Of course, we encourage everyone to listen and watch Joel and AD on Fox Sports New Orleans <laughs> for these eight. But what does it say about this team, Joel, when you have the Pelicans and Jazz, as Todd mentioned, the first game back in the return to play? And then if you include NBA TV, six of their eight games are going to be on national television. Well, and it goes along with what AD was just talking about. And people want to see this young squad. So get used to it. It's going to continue, Daniel. It's going to be next season as well. And uh, I got a kick out of it. Was it The Athletic or was it ESPN? <clears throat> and they did the prospects, the teams, and, and what they have building and moving towards the future. And the Pels were number one. And that was totally objective. So this kind of falls in line, and as AD said, the league, it's a star-driven league. The league's going to market guys like Zion, like Brandon Ingram, like Lonzo. Ran into Josh Hart in Metairie at a store yesterday. He can't wait to get back. He's been working hard. He looks unreal. So uh, it goes along with what we've been talking about. And also remember, Portland, a percent, was it one one-hundredth of a percentage point ahead of the Pels? even though they have one more loss. So there was an advantage for them because if we get down to who's going to be the ninth, who's going to be in that position, maybe Portland gets a break because they had one more game than the Pels. Even though they had one more loss, they also had one more win. So it's interesting, all the conspiracies. I'm just glad that the Pels, what it boils down to, the Pels have playoff games. That's what I'm looking at. These eight games for this young squad – these reps are invaluable for a team that's got as many guys as they have that are 23, 24, or under. 
So I'm just excited they're going to be there and get these reps. We're excited to have basketball back. It seems to be we'll have some media availability this week as players start trickling in for voluntary workouts. And then pretty much a month from now, the Pelicans will tip off against Utah Jazz. Of course, we're very excited to have Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels back on Fox Sports New Orleans. So be on the lookout there for their schedule with these final eight games. And of course, we look forward to Todd's calls on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM as they'll have every game for you on the flagship station. Guys, I really appreciate it. This will not be the last time we talk basketball here in the next month. This is a good start getting that schedule, and I look forward to seeing you all here shortly. Hey, hey, Daniel, can I say what we're all thinking? Yes. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> we need it. We need it. And on Thank that you. wonderful note, we'll end this Pelicans podcast. Until next week, I'm Daniel Sallerson. Thanks for listening. The Pelicans Podcast presented by CP.